This may happen again in another relationship if you don't address your shame. There's a lot of richness here, and most people, me included, would think it would be easier to just end it. Let's just move on without addressing my shit. I'm just gonna put it all on her, and I'll put it in the next relationship, and then the same thing happens again. This pattern. Why not address it now? Like, this is information. Okay, well, this is gonna be a real triggering one for people, but hey, welcome back. My name is Rob Wong. And I'm Scott Pagliaccio. Welcome back to the podcast, Rob. Always good to see your smiling face, man. Really grateful to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here too, man. Even though this topic is going to be <laughs> this is going to be loaded, uh, we're going to be talking about why she cheats, why she's cheated on you, why you've been cheated on in general. Maybe it's a pattern. Um, and I, I guess I guess I should lead off with vulnerability here, right? Like I've I've been cheated on before, and and the thought that I'm left with, I don't know if this is true, but sometimes cheating happens because it's just who that person is, and you could have done nothing that would have stopped them from cheating. Like you are as attractive as you needed to be, you were as engaged as you needed to be, and that person still would have cheated on your ass because they were dealing with their own stuff. But just talking with Scott earlier, there's also nuance to the situation because sometimes you can be responsible for this shit. So why don't we hash that out, man? What, what are your thoughts on all this? In both of my marriages, I wasn't cheated. Oh, actually, I was cheated on. That's right. My second marriage, I was. I was shutting down. I was explosive. I mean, I definitely had a part in things, but then I didn't understand or have the self-awareness. I just thought it was her. You know, she's fucking crazy. There's something wrong with her. If she would just change, then everything would be fine. But I was looking at my behavior, man. I was going back and forth between jobs and I quit a job and I'd go back to being self-employed and I wasn't making money. Plus, I was not super emotionally available. I was shut down. I was reactive. So I think all of those behaviors that I was exhibiting played a part in my wife and children feeling unsafe. And when I look back in hindsight, I was calling her crazy, but I should have been pointing the finger at myself because my behavior, I was doing the best that I could, but I couldn't see my responsibility. I had a huge part in things unfolding the way that they did. Does that answer your question? Does that help you out there? Yeah, it does help. I can either be powerless or I can be responsible and look for how I contribute to this situation because it's better than just staying in poor me. Like at a certain point, if we're checked out enough, this other person is going to be like, I'm not getting what I need from this relationship. And they, they might turn to other people. It's probably a good time to talk about how sometimes, though, people will have the capacity to have that conversation with you They'll come forward, hey, my needs aren't being met. I don't feel emotionally connected or safe with you anymore. I don't feel intimate anymore. I think ideally, we want a combination of both of those things. We want a partner that can bring up this shit when it's difficult, but we also want to be responsible for anything that we're adding to the trash pile. And one thing I wanted to call out too, because it's not always the guy's fault, the partner that cheated on me. So this was early on in the relationship during the honeymoon periods. We weren't strung out with each other. There wasn't anything wrong. It was just that she had a really hard time saying no to men due to her past. She'd just gone through a lot of experiences where it felt dangerous for her to do that. So she would just go along with it. And so 
if a guy asked her to make out or have sex, she would feel scared to say no. And then she would have sex or make out. And then it would be like, well, I still got cheated on. And ultimately that wasn't a relationship dynamic that worked for me. So things ended, but it was also like, I don't think there was anything I could have done to help her get out of that situation. And it was just something that she needed to grow through. But I can see how it's like, it's not always the case. There's usually two sides to this kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for sharing that, man. Yeah, it's tough, man. My second marriage, I got cheated on. We were married and she was having a relationship with a whole nother family, man. And, and it, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Like I, I didn't know it until I like saw these photographs of her with this other man and their kids. There was a lot going on underneath the hood on her side. There was drugs, alcohol. I don't know, Rob, it was, it was a pretty tough time in my life to be in having to deal with that. Yeah. It's not always the man's fault, but it is his responsibility to know that he has a part, you know, that what the woman I was married to, it wasn't my fault that she did what she did. She was just doing the best she could with what was going on in her life. And I, I saw all the red flags. I ignored them. You know, I, I could feel it in my gut that something was off. But I was just like, nah, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to stay in this thing and in ignoring it, it, you know, just ended up manifesting itself. Like it was going on from pretty early on. And, you know, my responsibility would have been to have a conversation with her. Like, Hey, something feels off for me around our relationship, you know, having a difficult conversation that feels really uncomfortable and saying, what's going on here? You're working really late and. You're not coming home the way you used to, and you're, you're staying out past, you know, dude, I lost my fucking train of thought. I feel fucking lost here. Well, I mean, that, that makes sense, man. Cause that, I imagine that's kind of just a hard thing to recall and talk about without also getting scattered into like reliving that shit. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm getting a little bit of that right now, even as I'm talking about it. And it's probably worth acknowledging that if you're listening to this right now, you probably still feel it like that sense of betrayal, that sense of activation of like, ah, fuck, like, what can I do to fix this so that it doesn't happen again? Because it's one of the most devastating things that you can go through. I think once it happens, at least for me, there was that sense of like a loss of trust in, in women and maybe in relationships for a little while. Like you were saying, I can be responsible because my ass fucking chose this, right? I, I, I chose this human being and I stuck with it. And I can also look on the other side and see that, you know, I was having those conversations to drill into what's going on here. And, you know, I found out later because she would tell me later, like she would start to feel guilty about it. But in the moment, she would dodge the question or avoid or lie. Man, I know right now you might be like, feeling like you could have been more responsible by, you know, digging in. But even then it's like, we can't guarantee that that partner is going to tell us the truth. Uh, and I think that's what the tricky part is about all of this, about relationships, about cheating. We can do the best we have with the tools that we have and still not be guaranteed a good outcome. Uh, but all we're doing here is we're trying to bring ourselves up to the highest level that we can, even if this situation isn't great. Um, so I don't know. That's, that's kind of where I'm at with it right now. What do you think, dude? Now that makes a lot of sense to me. I like what you said about, you know, we we're doing the best we can with the tools that we, we have available in the moment. And 
even if we had some different tools, it doesn't mean that we could have changed the outcome. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is taking the responsibility when you feel like something's off and asking the difficult questions immediately. And that's something I stuffed. I'm like, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to piss her off. But, you know, something's fucking off here and I can feel it. And I just kept ignoring it and ignoring it and ignoring it. And then it, all of a sudden it was just, everything came to a head, man. I'd come home and she would be so fucking hammered. I came home one day and she was so fucked up that she was incoherent. And then when I finally did get her to wake up, she got up off the couch and like stumbled and fell into the wall, head hit the wall and fell to the ground. And, you know, then shit really started to unravel. Then it was just like event after event after event. And I was still like, staying in it, man. It was really an awful experience. Yeah. That sounds like a rough time, even without the cheating. This might be useful to a, a listener uh, who is looking to maybe not relive this kind of experience. If you had to tell someone who was like, Hey, I, I think my partner might be, might be doing stuff behind my back. If you had to tell them what to look for, like, what are the signs? Like, how did you notice something was off? What would you tell them? That's a great question. And what I noticed was it was a gut feeling. I felt something in my stomach like that was uneasy and I kept ignoring it. I would say, trust your gut, man. Like if something feels off in your body, I would follow that trail. I would be curious about that. There was no way that things wouldn't have unfolded the way they did. They were bound to happen the way that they did. Just given who this woman was, like there's this was like a pattern in her life and I couldn't have done anything to rescue her or change things. I could have showed up differently, maybe had some better skills and tools. And that was one of the things she said before we got divorced. I needed you to learn to listen to me in a way that I felt understood. That's when I really started to get into the relationship work. So that there's a lot of beautiful things that happened on the back end of the relationship. You know, she was asking for what she wanted and needed. It was too late then, but I did get the tools moving forward for the next relationships that I had and have utilized those tools, not only in relationship with women, but with my children, with my family, with all the closest people in my life. And it's made a profound difference. I learned to really trust myself and the relationship I have with my own like psychology, my own body, my emotions, my thoughts, like and she gave that to me, man. So it might've been a shit show and I got cheated on and the fucking relationship, you know, went down in flames. She was a signpost for me to seek this training and I'm grateful. That's a really good point. A lot of this stuff is unconscious. We can pick up on the energy of what's happening. Like maybe if we look back into the past, we can notice that like, oh, that person was really pulling away a lot and I could feel that. But in the moment, it's, it's kind of hard to discern or decipher what's going on. But we have that like noticing of subtle changes in body language or how they're relating to us. And it's important to pay attention to that. Sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off, but at least follow through, follow up on it and see what it is. What you were saying is having me reflect on what's another way that I can know that my partner is maybe going to cheat on me. And I'm reflecting back on like the one that I was dating that cheated on me. And it was similar. When we first started dating, she told me that she cheated on her past boyfriend mm. and good on her for telling me like that was a really nice, honest thing to bring up. And I was like, 
yeah, but she probably won't cheat on me. She did. And, and <laughs> she probably won't. She probably won't because she did. Yeah. No, no. And, and I think, I think that might be a piece of it, right? It's like, have that conversation with the person. They might not be honest with you, but like create enough safety that this person can tell you like, Hey, no, I've done this in the past before. If this was like 20 years ago, then you, you might be okay. They might've had a chance to grow through whatever they're dealing with. But if this happened like last year or the year before, they're probably still getting to a point where they don't do that automatically. And, and as I'm thinking about this now, if they have a history of being a cheater and it's recent history, then they're probably going to do it again. But the other thing that I'm thinking about is like, anytime that I've been tempted to do this, it's been when I'm off my shit and it just feels like it would be easier to start a new relationship or find someone else. It's always coming from a place when I'm not grounded. And I think that there's a specific attachment style that does this. If someone is more conflict avoidant, I want to say that they're going to be more likely to cheat. Whereas someone who is more anxious is going to be more likely to try to like jump in and fix the connection and talk to the person. They'll do anything they can to fix the relationship first before they try to find an alternative. Unless it gets really fucking bad. But I suspect that there is a pattern here around how people cope. If the answer is that person copes by trying to escape and maybe they do it by having sex with people, then I suspect that that might be kind of the recipe for getting cheated on. But I don't know. That's an assumption. So what do you think, man? Fact check me on this. Yeah, no, I like what you, that, that definitely makes sense to me. Somebody who's conflict avoidant rather than having a difficult conversation with their partner it would be much easier to avoid that. And it's kind of the grass is greener. Like I'm just going to. Like my partner isn't showing up. My pattern is to just check out of the relationship and go have sex with someone else. And then the other person, if she was the more, what, what was the second attachment style? Conflict avoidant and then anxious, anxious. Yeah. Yeah. They, they're, they want to repair. They're more likely to, to go in for the repair or have the difficult conversation because they want connection. Like I could really understand now, like I'm understanding the person who cheated. And I'm not saying that I condone that behavior and the behavior is okay, but given the way that they grew up in their childhood and, you know, the trauma that they've endured, of course it makes sense that they would go do that because they are afraid of conflict. They don't want to have that conversation. So boom, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to get my needs met over here. I'm not getting them met here. I don't want to deal with, you know, my, my explosive husband. I would just prefer to do this. So yeah, it, it, it totally makes sense given the way you explained it. Yeah. Thanks, man. Mm -hmm. I honestly don't know where to take the conversation from here. So I guess maybe if I'm a listener right now, I just joined an episode about, Hey, is she cheating on you? Okay. So maybe the next step is, Hey, what do you do if you do find out she's cheating on you? Yeah. Or where do you take it from there? Yeah, that's a great, uh, that's a great place to take it from. And what comes up for me is, is to not go into blame and, and keep your heart open, own your part. And if you don't think you have a part in being cheated on, just ask your partner. She'll let you know how it was you were showing up or how you weren't showing up or what needs she didn't feel that you were meeting. But I think the big thing for me is to, to not go into blame and stay open as best you can. And if you're interested in repairing 
the relationship, which I think is very possible. And this is in the context of a healthy relationship. If two people really care about one another and they, you know, they're married, they have kids, there's a lot at stake here. And one person went outside of the relationship. I think if both parties are willing to work on it, to go to therapy, to have the difficult conversations, that I think there can be a deepening of intimacy and trust and safety inside of the relationship if you can stay open, not contract and pull away and work through it together. This may happen again in another relationship if you don't address your shit. There's a lot of richness here and most people, me included, would think it would be easier to just end it. Let's just move on without addressing my shit. I'm just going to put it all on her and I'll go to the next relationship. And then the same thing happens again. Like there's this pattern. Why not fucking address it now? Like this is information. And I think if you have the willingness to do that, fucking kudos to you, man. And especially if you have children, I'm not saying you should stay together because of the kids. I am saying if it's something you decide that you both want to do, you can work on it and show your kids that, Hey, mom and dad know how to work through conflict. We're going to stick this thing out and not blame and shame. We're going to, we're going to figure this thing out together. And I think that will model something really healthy to your children and to, to one another. So I think there's a lot of different ways you can go here. If you're into growth and development, one way to go is to get some fucking help. Like, don't think it's going to just fix itself. Go to therapy, really find out what's going on underneath the hood because relationship is so nuanced, man. It's so challenging. And if you can't own your part and see why you behave the way you did and why your partner didn't understand one another, then I think the pattern's just going to repeat. I'll say that. Yeah, I think, I think that's a valid step. Sometimes it's my fault. Sometimes it's their fault. Sometimes more often than not, it's a combination of both of us. And if I never take the opportunity to set aside my hurt, my rage, my sense of betrayal, then I'm never going to get a chance to see how much of this was me. It could be 10%, could be 80%. If I don't understand that, then I'm just going to carry it on with me into the next relationship. And I, I think there are a couple of schools of thought here. Like obviously Scott was just talking about how, hey, this, this doesn't have to be the end. Sometimes relationships get stronger because the cheating forces you to have the difficult conversations that you have both been avoiding. One person starts making space for the conversation. The other one starts opening up more. Maybe it's both people. So there's, there's a positive end result available here. If I were having to go back and make this decision again, here are some things that I would pay attention to. The first one is, has this person demonstrated their ability to keep their word in other areas of their life? Like they've said they're going to do X, Y, and Z. They've made steps to change and grow towards me. Or is it just lip service? Because if they're not able to keep their word, then it's going to be me that changes to accommodate for them. And that can be a really fucking brutal situation where you're just putting yourself out there again and again on the street, like getting hit, hoping that they're going to change. Don't do that. The other piece is you have to understand that these changes take time. Sometimes it takes like five years, 10 years. And how intense is this experience for me right now? If it's like a 12 out of 10, like my nervous system is just losing. Like I cannot be in this situation without losing my mind. 
then it makes sense for me to set this aside and not try to resuscitate it over and over and over again. Because I have to accept that this person is going to need time to change, and so am I. And that means we're going to run into the same issue over and over again over time. If I'm really not ready to do that for the next five years, then it may be worthwhile to simply get to the bottom of what's happening here. What do I have to own? And then respectfully end the connection, honor the other person. Okay, these things were wonderful. These things hurt. I have these regrets about this relationship. I'd like to apologize for them. Mm. Thank you for bringing this to me. And this is how I've grown. And then end it with honor. But I think it's really just a personal call here because it, it can be such an intense experience. It can be hard to make out what needs to happen. But hopefully just by listening here, you've picked up a few milestones that feel good for you. Yeah, that was brilliant. I really like what you said. Like if it's too intense and you can't deal with it and it's, you feel like the process of five to 10 years, I don't know if anybody could stay and have their nervous system that fucked up for that long and, and be okay. But, and I do like what you said about ending it with honor. I don't think any relationship, regardless of what happened, needs to end with dishonor. I, I feel really strongly about if it's possible, ending it with honor, like thanking that person. And sometimes you can't do it to the person's face, but I noticed with the women that I've been married to, I've gotten to a place, you know, I've gone through the stages of grief, but I've also gotten to the stages of deep gratitude for both of those relationships because I wouldn't be who I am had it not been for being with these two incredible women who, who have shown me to myself, man, in the deepest way. So maybe you don't end it in it with honor in the moment to them, but getting to that point inside of yourself, I do men's work so you can have a stand in or, you know, I do it aloud a, a lot. Just thanking, like thanking both women time and time again. There's times where I find myself doing the opposite of like blaming them. If I didn't get married to these women, I, my daughters would be talking to me right now. And I'm like, oh, I'm just projecting the anger that I don't want to deal with. And I just move into gratitude. So I've been able to do both. We have three children together. So it's a process for me that's still continuing to unfold. And I don't ever want it to be with with malice, either one of my wives, man. In the beginning, not so much. You know, it was fucking hard. I wasn't really wanting to honor them. But, you know, what you do to others, you do to yourself first. If I'm not honoring them. I'm not honoring me. So as difficult as it is, again, it comes back to me and the relationship I have with myself. And then it goes outward. So yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, man. You know, stand up dude and doing things in the cleanest way possible. No, I mean, you, you bring up a really good point. It's like fundamentals, right? Like if I spend the next three years furious at my ex because she cheated on me, well, it's kind of like me holding on to a log that's burning. And meanwhile, I'm just getting charred as shit, right? Like third degree burns everywhere. And I'm hoping that the next time this person comes across me, I can hit them with the log. But then I go back to holding the log and I'm just waiting for them the next time that I can come back and like whack. And, and it's not a good trade-off, right? Like, wh what percentage of time does this person interact with me? Like, 1%? Less than that. Like, a tenth of 1%. The rest of the time, I'm the one who's sitting with this rage, right? I'm the one who's suffering. And Scott has a really good point. When you end things with respect and honor, 
you don't have to carry that shit around. And a lot of times it can be one of the most profound things. You think you hate this person, but then you get to the bottom of it and you realize both of you are just kind of fucked up and doing your best. And like, really, honestly, you love each other and this might not work out, but it was a glorious time to be able to share that journey with them. Yeah. I, I'm getting emotional thinking about it because, because I have relationships that I ended that way. I can look back with fondness at this person. They don't haunt me for the rest of my life. I guess if there is one thing that you take away from this podcast, it's that that is an option for you. You can close out all of your relationships like that. You can look back at them with fondness rather than just hatred. It doesn't have to be you. You don't have to be that guy. No, I like what you said there because it, it reminds me, you know, you have a choice. You said something, you know, ending it with hatred. Well, the you can't give away what you don't have inside. You're the one carrying the log of hatred inside of you. So if you can't, if you can't let that go, you're bringing that into your next relationship. How, how this relationship ends is how the next one begins. At least that's been my experience. If it ends in hatred, that doesn't just go away. It's still lingering. It, it's the old adage of like a snake bite doesn't kill you. It's the fucking venom that kills I didn't get into a relationship after I divorced. I didn't date or have sex for three years, man. I worked on myself, trying to understand myself, meditating more. Like I went to jail, like my kids were traumatized. I was traumatized. It was awful. I needed to work on letting go. There was a lot of rage in me. There was a lot of anger. And I realized it didn't have really anything to do with my wife. She was just showing me what was in me that was left over from two decades of addiction, of, of drugs and alcohol, of being numbed out that I never dealt with. And it just came up inside of the relationship with her. And so I recognized that, dude, I was, I was reading every spiritual text. I was going to every meditation retreat. I was learning about psychology and I just kept diving deeper into myself because I was like, I know this is going to be a fucking shit show. The last thing I need to do is go have sex with a bunch of women. She showed me where I needed to work on me. And for that, I was grateful. It, it was a process of letting the log go. Like I held on to the log. I, I held on to the log, man. It was, it's hard. Yeah. It's like you're, if you're carrying a fucking heavy suitcase, how do you let it go? Well, you just open your hand, right? That easy. Well, relationships, not that fucking easy, man. Not that easy. It's a process. So. I'll just leave it there. That has been my experience. And yeah, if there's any anger or hatred and you can't end it honorably, you're going to bring that leftover bullshit wherever the fuck you go. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up, dude. Cause like we, we've all, we've all dated that one girl who like won't stop hating on her ex, right? We don't want to be that person in the next relationship. The hack for me has been, I look for people that are fucking excited about relationships. That's how you know you can find someone that is ready to work with you. But I can't be the only one that's figured that out. And I think a lot of women have figured that out too. Yep. So if I show up and I'm just pissed at my ex, right? Clearly I haven't done my work. Clearly I haven't processed this. The women who are ready for a healthy relationship are going to avoid me like the plague because I'm just throwing off all these red flags. I'm glad we arrived at this point because like it's reminding me about how important the process of repair can be like this is this is life-changing stuff and it will change the trajectory of your relationships whether or not you start a new one 
you're absolutely correct. And I, I'm thinking back to to the relationships I've had most recently, man. They've ended like well, where the women that I've been with, they're not pissed off. They're not like, this guy's a piece of shit. It's like, actually, hey, this guy's really great. It was time for things to end with us and uh, we're moving on. But, you know, I would recommend dating Scott, which was a far different experience than not that long ago where it was like, man, don't fuck with this guy, man. He's, he's a train wreck, you know, like, and I, I didn't understand like what was going on. So I've definitely learned and noticed that was like the big takeaway for me. How one relationship ends is how the next one begins and things have ended really well in what, how you explained it in a really conscious and honoring way. And when things can end that way, you're, you know, you're not bringing along baggage into the next relationship. You're starting from a space of like cleanliness, man, and then leaving it there and then moving on to the next one. And it's like, oh, okay. We start from a clean slate, not like, a, you know, a dirty, messy, locked up spot, you know? Yeah, like the bathtub that hasn't been cleaned in three years and it's got the ring. And yeah, sure, it's fine. I'm just going to start a new relationship here. No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Like, no, no way. Well, hell yeah. I think I think that's that's probably the gamut here. So Warriors wanted to say thank you again for being here, for taking this trek with us. I feel like especially in this circumstance, it can be hard to find direction. It can be hard to find answers and milestones or even find yourself in all of this. So this is just a closing reminder to be gentle with yourself as, as much as you can. I know the guy instinct is like, ah, I'm going gonna, gonna to be as tough. Gonna, but if you're in this situation, you're going through some hard shit and some kindness, some compassion would go a long way. Just be nice to yourself and you will sort this out. Yes. And surround yourself with men that are going to help you to see your side of things and not just with your story. I think that's been really important for me is like, I can't run my bullshit, man. Rob wouldn't let me. He'd be like, mm, yeah, I don't think so, Scott. Like there's something for you to look at here. And, and I want that. I don't want to go into the next thing with the leftover shit. Like I don't want somebody to collude with my story. So I find that having really solid men in my life that will not only support me, they'll challenge me, they'll hold my feet to the fire and they will fucking help me to grow. I think that's an important, an important note for me to close on because that's been like the saving grace for me, man. Like I could have easily just avoided those types of men and just went and pissed and moaned and got other dudes to be like, oh yeah, she's a fucking bitch, man. It's all her fault. And no, I saw, I had men in my life that helped me to see my role and how I contributed to things being the way they were. And that really catapulted me into growth and into having way better relationships. So I'll leave the warriors with that bit of wisdom. Get in a men's group, man, or at least have one dude in your life that, that will fucking hold your feet to the fire. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. That's it. So if you got something out of this episode, you know, click the buttons, leave a rating, or I don't know, Five whatever. Five star up, buddies. Come on. And that's if you feel this podcast is worthy of five stars. We are not asking you to falsify any, you know, if you are a five star, you know, if you are feeling a five star, then, you know, click that motherfucker five times. If you were a five star, you would leave five stars. It's what we're trying to, it's what we're trying to get at. Yeah. If you're a five-star kind of guy, 
then five stars. Yeah. If you're not, then you're a three star. Cool. If you're one, whatever your truth is, man, that's the stars that you leave. I'm not asking you to give us anything that we're not war that we didn't earn. <laughs> that would be that would be unethical. We are not we are not here on this podcast being unethical by any means. So star us the way you feel we deserve. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, I am out. Thank you. Love you. Peace. Uh, home. Mm-hmm.